Here's a question, though, for you. Have you ever walked through the woods and just looked up and looked all around? And have you ever just started to think about the trees? Have you ever thought about how they got there? Have you ever thought about what they've had to go through? Have you ever thought about all the trees as you walk through the woods? Have you thought about the storms that they've weathered? Have you thought about the animals that they've had to endure? The trampling, the scratching. Have you ever thought about the trees? Years ago, Courtney and I took a trip out to California. And I remember this trip because we were actually talking about it the other night where we didn't have our boys yet, and so we were still, like, young and um, just able to, like, on a whim, just leave. You remember those days? For some of us, we still might be in those days. Others of us, maybe not. And I remember this trip because I'm, I'm pretty sure we were sitting at home one night at 11.30, 11.45 p.m., and we were just, like, bored at night, and we were like, yo, let's go to California. And so we literally jumped online, and we booked this trip to California. And we were leaving in, like, two and a half weeks. <laughs> we had yet to request time off for work and figure everything out. We had zero details. Here's what we knew. We were going to fly into San Francisco, and we were going to leave out of LAX eight days later. P.S., never fly out of LAX. <laughs> Horrible, okay? So, so we, we go there, and we have no plans. We're literally like, we don't know where we're staying. We know that we have our flights booked and a car. That was it. And I knew I had to get A to B in eight days. And then in this trip, we decided to go to the Redwood Forest. And if you've never been there, it's this incredible, incredible experience to just hike in. And so as we're hiking, these trees are massive. And as I started to think about these trees, I had the question of how long have they been around? What have these trees, these massive trees, gone through to get to the point that they are now? How old are they? How strong are they? But we get so fascinated by this greatness of these trees, but there's a reality that they had to start somewhere else. They had to start as a seed in dirt. They had to be planted, and they had to take root, and they had to be fed. They had to be watered and cultivated. They had to, these trees had to grow. They didn't just start out as these massive, strong trees. They, they started as a little seed and some dirt. They in, endured the storms that would come, the high winds, maybe the heavy rains, the lightning, the fires. They endured the animals, the trampling over the little, little trees, maybe, as little baby animals would run all over them. They endured even the cold days, the hot days. They endured through it all. And they had to take root and trust that one day they would be a great, great tree. And as I think about that, I also have to wonder and think about how that's similar to us. We had to start somewhere and grow. We didn't get to where we're at right here, right now, just by chance. 
It's not like we were born and at this very moment, this is where we are. We, we had a journey. We had to start somewhere and we had to grow into where we are now. When I start to think about life, I, I often wonder, is this similar to us? Like the journey of this tree and, and us, how, how similar are those? Have we ever felt like maybe this is how life feels us today? That we're trying to navigate this life, avoiding the animals, avoiding the storms of life, avoiding the bad nutrients and bad soils of the world. Are we, like these trees, struggling some days, enduring and persevering? See, we've been journeying through Isaiah 61, and believe it or not, in Isaiah 61, we get the answer of what God wants for his people. We get the answer of how he wants to cultivate and work and develop us. And here's the reality. As we've journeyed through this, we've seen that there's a big problem. And the problem is called sin. We know there's a problem. And the problem is sin. And those are the storms of life that we endure. Even the animals at times. But we also know that God has an answer. And his answer is Jesus, the Messiah. And then we get to a place, and, I, and I'm on look at a few different verses here. And this is where I want you to join with me. So, so turn on your Bible, open it up, whatever it might be, um, and, and read with me Isaiah 61, 3 through 4. This is what it says. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like, say with me, great oaks. Great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. See, we've, we've walked through this text a little bit. And we talked about how God desires to trade us our despair for certain stuff. He desires to, to shift and exchange what we offer for what he offers. We talked about that. But I believe that in the process of doing so, he plants within us something deeper, something greater. A great oak. Have you ever stood under an oak tree in the middle of the summer heat? Have you ever looked at an oak tree? See, oak trees are a common symbol of strength and endurance. They also symbolize resistance, knowledge, and good morale. It's associated with honor, nobility, and wisdom. So imagine the imagery here as Isaiah is painting this when he says that they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. The people would understand what an oak tree is and the, the resemblance and the imagery that he's painting, that they would be great Oaks, when you think of an oak tree, you don't think of something super small. You think of a, a great, big, massive, sturdy, strong tree. And you will be like a great oak that the Lord has planted. All for his glory. See, here's a, a reality that I think Isaiah is, is sharing with us in this text. I believe that God wants something more for you than what the world can offer you. God wants something more for you in your life than the world can offer you. He wants something more. God's planted seeds in his people. He's planted seeds to grow into a mighty, glorious, strong forest together in the world. 
And it's almost as if he's saying, when you see these great trees, he's using this imagery of the trees, when you see these great trees, you will see God's planting of his message in this world. He's prophetically saying that God is going to plant you in the world so that you can make a difference. If you go back into that same text, you can remember what it says, that they will rebuild, this is talking about the people, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. Repairing cities destroyed. They will revive these words. Rebuild and revive. God is passionate about remaking the world into what he desires and what he originally planned. And he invites his people into it. He invites the poor, the broken, the hurting, the searching, the confused, and even the imprisoned to be remade into the image of the Messiah. God wants to remake what this world is and to make it into something greater than our wildest imaginations. And he invites us into it. He invites his people into it. And it, it comes down to a simple, simple reality. It's very simple when we start to think about it. God simply asks that we give what we have, our lives, our hearts, and receive what he has his salvation. God asks that we give our hearts and trust him and receive his salvation, his son. He offers us more than we can imagine, and he just asks for our hearts. He asks for our lives. And when we do this, everything changes. Everything changes. Look what happens in, in verse 10 of this chapter. There's a dynamic thing that happens here. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord, my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation, draped me in the robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Now, if you were to read this whole entire chapter, you understand that there's something dynamic that happens in verse 10. The tone radically and completely shifts. So the first nine verses are the Messiah, essentially are Jesus speaking in Isaiah 61. This is the Messiah speaking. This is where Jesus is, is basically saying in Isaiah, this, the prophet of like, I, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. This is a prophetic word that happens, the first nine words or verses. And then verse 10 happens. And this is Isaiah the prophet responding. And, and again, read his response. He says, I'm overwhelmed with joy. Overwhelmed with joy. It's not this moment, but rather it's a joyous lifestyle now that he is living in. When we understand what God has done, it's no longer just a joyous moment. It's a joyous lifestyle that we get to live and abide in because God is with us. Here's what's so beautiful. I love, I love the imagery that Isaiah goes and, and just weaves throughout this. He talks about this moment where, where we are being robed and clothed in certain things. Verse 10, remember it says that, that he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. Clothing of salvation. Draped me in a robe of righteousness. See, these are symbolic words. These are not words that he just chose by chance. These are words that he chose on purpose, for a purpose. 
They serve a deeper symbol. See, in the New Testament, when we read about robes, it was this, it was this symbol of being cleansed and justified. A robe is placed over God's children so that when God sees them, he sees them as clean and washed. It symbolizes that they're accepted and justified by God. And Isaiah is speaking and pointing directly to that. He's speaking and pointing directly to what Jesus is going to do hundreds of years later. That Jesus will clothe us in robes and garments of salvation and righteousness. That we will be justified. And here's something that I don't want us to miss either. It doesn't say that, Isaiah doesn't say, and I have earned these robes. It doesn't say I have bought these robes, but rather it says that he has given me these robes. God puts them on his prophet, on his people. They are given to us. God gives them and he uses thus these robes to, to show us that he has claimed us and he loves us and he has justified and accepted us. This is the moment where he's essentially saying, give me your brokenness and I will clothe you with my wholeness. Give me your sinfulness, and I will clothe you with my forgiveness. Give me your shame, and I will give you my presence. See, the blessing is one that grows also. It grows. God takes what we offer to him, and he gives us his son in his presence. And it continues to grow within us. And he continues on in verse 11. This is what he says. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world, and everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. In this chapter, Isaiah uses the imagery of a great oak and then plants. It's kind of a very good, almost bookends. But here's the thing that I was thinking about this week. I can have the best soil in the world. I can have the best seed in the world. I can have all the right stuff, but I can never get inside that seed, and I can never make it grow on my own. It's not like when I plant it in this soil that I can then like open it all up and make it grow. There's things that have to happen. And I think that's true for our hearts. I think that's true for our hearts, our souls, and our lives, that we've been planted here where we are, just like the Israelites were planted exactly where they are for exactly the right moment, and even the early followers, his disciples and the apostles, to do what God has in store for us. If we look at the world as this soil, follow me with this, if this is the world as a soil, the first thing that we see is this. It's messy and it's dirty. Soil is dirty. Your hands are inevitably going to get dirty if you play with the soil. And if our world is a soil, that means our world is also messy and dirty. Can we agree on that? Our world is messy and dirty. And here's the other thing is that I'm not a big planner, right? 
But for a few years, my wife and I, we lived down in this great town called Wayland. Down in Wayland, believe it or not, there are a lot of people who have tons of land that they plant a lot of crops on. And did you know that every year, like clockwork, they bring in certain stuff to help their plants grow? Y'all know what I'm talking about? What is it? Manure. Thank you for saying that word. Manure. They bring in manure. And again, like, we remember the days of, like, waking up, right? And it's like that great spring morning, and you're, the AC isn't on yet, and the heat's not on, and so you crack open the windows, and you're like, oh, it's a great spring, and you take that first breath, and you're like, <coughs> that is not spring air. That is not what downy spring fresh smells like, right? But here's the reality. We use manure to fertilize plants. Sometimes we go through certain crap in our lives, and it helps us grow. It helps us grow. And God uses all that junk in life to grow us, because we're planted here for a reason, to be great oaks of righteousness. And that means trusting God. That means trusting God in the process, that he is working, that he is cultivating, that he is weeding, that he is pruning and growing us in our lives. But here's what's interesting, is you see that there is this bowl of dirt. But what you don't understand is maybe that I've planted something in here. And it's messy. It's filthy. But here's the reality. I think this is our reality sometimes, is that as we are planted, if we are this ping pong ball and we've been planted to do something great, we actually get this idea in our lives that instead of just letting God plant us in it, we don't like that because that's uncomfortable, by the way, right? Because God might call us to put roots somewhere where we don't think is the best place. God might call us to do something that maybe is uncomfortable for us. God might call us to go through certain manure in life to help us grow, but we don't want to go through it because it smells. And so what do we do? We put our own ideas, our own desires, our own will, our own heart and our own mindset on us, and we say, oh, I can still be planted in this. This is still good. I'll still grow. How much growth am I going to go through in a bag? I'm not. I'm not. You see, because this bag prevents us. The bag of all of our dirt, all of our junk, prevents us from ever taking root. But if you were to take the seed out of the bag, if you were to remove all of your own desires, your own will, your own ideas, your own self, and you give your heart and your soul to God and you let him plant you, and sometimes that means he's going to put certain stuff in your life that you're going to go through, and it's going to smell for a time, a season, but it's going to help you grow. And there might be moments where you feel really dry in life. And then he says, do you remember who I am? That I am the, the living water. I hope this thing has no cracks in it. He pours himself into you. And he says, but abide me. Get, get in there and let me cultivate you. Let me work and take root. 
And as he does that, God knows that he had to get dirty. And he's okay with it. He's okay with the mess of this world. See, God asks us a simple question. It's very simple. Give what we have, our lives, and receive what he has, his salvation, his son. And he wants all of us. He wants all of us. He wants to get his hands dirty with us. He wants to be in the mix. He wants to be okay with us allowing him to, to cultivate us, to, to prune us, to water us, to feed us. And when we do that, he takes all of the dirt, all of the mess, all of the nastiness of our world. He gets his hands dirty. He says, but watch what I can grow. It's very simple. Give God your life, and he will give you his presence. Give God your life, he will give you his presence and his salvation. But so many of us are holding out. So many of us will maybe only open the, the baggie just to crack. Because this is our comfort. But it's, with, it's holding us back from fully experiencing what God has in store for our lives. And God says, give me it all. Give me your life. Give me your heart. And I will give you my salvation and my presence. So what does that mean for us today? Simple. Give God your life. And trust him in every single turn, every single moment. Trust him in the messiness. Trust him in the days where the sun is shining bright. Trust me in the days where it feels like the storms of this world are just bogging down on you. Trust him. And I know that there might be some of us today that maybe have never, ever actually taken that step to put our, our faith in Jesus. There may be people who are watching right now or maybe people who will watch a week later or a few days later, whatever it might be, that have never taken the step to put their faith and their life in Jesus' hands. They've never allowed God to get dirty in their life, to put his hand in and to start working in their lives. And they're holding on to this. But they're, they're feeling like they're drowning. They, they feel like they're suffocating. And so if that's you today, I want, I want you to know that you can have a relationship with Jesus. Confess your sins, confess that that you need him to save you, to forgive you, and that you acknowledge him as your savior, and, and he will come and abide in your life. He will walk with you and grow with you. And maybe, maybe there's some of us who we've put our trust and our life in Jesus' hands. But maybe we're going through a season right now where we're struggling. The storms of life, the animals of this life seem to just be harming us, and it's hard to see the light. I want to invite you today to take a moment and just ask him to continue to cultivate you, continue to water you, continue to, to pour his spirit out upon you. I believe that God has something big in store for us in 2021. 
And I'm not going to stand up here and say 2021 is going to be, you know, the year where all the pandemic goes away. Or I'm not going to stand up here and say everything's going to go back to normal. I'm not going to stand. I believe 2021, though, God is going to move swiftly. And I don't know what that looks like yet. But I believe he will. I believe he has something big in store. And I believe that even as a church right now, as the story church, I believe God has something big in store for us too. I believe that he's calling us as a church to serve more outside of these four walls. I believe he's calling us to love more. And believe it or not, I believe he's calling us as a church to give more generously than we've ever given before. I believe God has something big in store. But here's the reality. I can talk about us as a church all we want. I believe he's calling each and every one of us, you, me, all of us, to do this together, to serve together, to love together, to give together, to journey together. I believe that God's calling us to take a big step. And so during this next year, we're, we're going to take some big steps. We're going to serve more outside of our walls. We're going to be partnering with some other churches maybe in serving. We're going to be look, looking to, and this one blows my mind, but I, I just have this feeling of, of God's calling us, and I believe it, to give generously. To bless families maybe to help people struggling, maybe. To love on them. I believe that God is calling us to big steps in our faith. In order to take those steps, we have to trust him every single moment. Because his hands got dirty for us. <laughs>